0: You can't talk about art history without seeing the impact Catholicism has had on art and the impact that art has had on Catholicism. It's time for our monthly art history lesson with Charles and Amanda Shepard from the Fort Wayne Museum of Art.
1: This is Kyle Hyman. I'm here at the Fort Wayne Museum of Art to get my monthly art history lesson. I'm here with Charles Shepard, the CEO, and Amanda Shepard, the COO here Mm -hmm. at the museum. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Glad to be here.
0: Do you feel your brain getting bigger each time? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> your headphones are oh, a, can't fit on your head.
1: <laughs> I'm, be, I'm getting so smart <laughs> and, cultured, and cultured can, and cultured. I can I can talk about art. I was actually I was just telling somebody about yeah with the tomb of Saint Dominic it oh. would have one person that was good at carving the feet, the feet. would uh-huh. do that and it's like some of fingers that, yeah yeah like good. I had no idea that it was yeah. like team effort and stuff mm-hmm. and how. Yeah. Well,
2: and it's and it's how they test them out. Are they ready? Are you
1: ready to move to feet from fingers?
2: Yeah. Oh, he's that good. Yeah. Okay. Next, you'll be neck.
1: See, that yeah, <laughs> was something I learned from yeah. uh-huh. from the show. Go Perfect. back and listen to the one about the. Yeah.
0: Arca, that was an early one. Arca
1: San, Damien,
0: San Domenico, I think. The
1: yeah. mm-hmm. Tomb of St. Yeah. Adelaide. Yeah. Yeah. In some other language
0: <laughs> Italian. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> What are we talking about today?
0: We are talking about the twin refounders of Rome, Peter and Paul, and they're to be understood as the refounders of Christian Rome, whereas Romulus and Remus are founders of ancient Rome. And we'll get back to that in the show, but I want us to think about Peter and Paul as two brothers that the church recognizes as inseparable in some ways with their distinct purposes in lives, but they should be understood very similarly side by side. And in art, uh, the artist we'll talk about today, Caravaggio depicted both of their lives very uniquely. And that was done in response to the reformers attempt to knock peter off his pedestal a little Mm. bit as and that is because of their belief that the papacy in the words of martin luther was an instrument of the devil so (laughs) if Mm. we can elevate saint paul and as the prince of the apostles and peter yes was an apostle but he is not the rock of the church Um. the catholic restoration then was was going to restore the station of Peter as the bishop of Rome, the you know the the first head of our church after Christ, and uh, so that was done through a number of artists. One of the first ways that was done was through Michelangelo, who was tapped to finish the design of Saint Peter's Basilica. Um, that construction took 120 years, hmm. and Michelangelo finished it. He also painted the Pauline chapels and he did that in fresco. He did that with a lot of his Um, compositions were really crowded. There's lots of people, very broad and vast scenes. And he wanted to make sure that the story of the crucifixion of Peter and the conversion of Paul and also the martyrdom of Paul were well depicted throughout the basilica on the same level together as the earliest martyrs mm-hmm. um, the church knew that you know michelangelo's work wasn't going to be enough to inspire the faithful into remembering peter's role so they commissioned um, Caravaggio to paint two oil on canvases which listeners need to remember that oil was seen as the inferior medium to be employed by women and okay. not of high artists such as compared like,
1: to frescoes. Compared
0: to frescoes, yeah. Which
1: is uh, remind me? It's like uh, taking plaster and, it, yep. and paint. Yeah, it's
0: a it's painting that is done within wet plaster, and yeah. it, it it takes on this like cement finish that is nearly indestructible. And okay. oil paint was seen as inferior.
2: Uh-huh. The fresco process is so delicate and precise that the respect is going to go higher because if you can if you can handle all the demands that a fresco is going to put right. on you you've got to be a lot better than some guy with pigment and oil. Uh-huh. You know, truthfully, there's a certain point where pigment and oil becomes the lofty as time goes on and easier materials like watercolor and acrylics become the low level things. Gotcha. So, we're, but we're in the in the moment that this is pretty adventurous for them to commission something in, in oil paint. Hmm.
0: So, 50 years after Michelangelo painted the Pauline Chapel and designed the Basilica, uh, Pope Clement VIII wanted to re-emphasize Peter's role for the Jubilee year 1600. So, um, for he commissioned a chapel in the Church of Santa Maria del Popolo, which was the first that pilgrims would see upon entering Rome. So, when they get to Rome, they would see this church and they would see Um, Peter as he's buried in um, the basilica. They'd they'd see a painting of his crucifixion. The church was run by Augustinians, which was Martin Luther's order. So, to sort of erase the memory of Martin Luther preaching in that church, um, Pope Clement wanted to reestablish a legacy with Peter again as a reminder to the pilgrims. Well,
2: as we've seen so many times before, when your patron sort of ramps up their message, the artist that's going to succeed the best anyway is going to change the way that artist is going to work such that in this case, as we look at Caravaggio, he's thinking that, okay, Michelangelo and many that came before me would do these highly populated backgrounds and highly articulated, but in some respects you might lose your focus. So let's, Let's darken our backgrounds. Let's highlight what we're really looking at here. And and, and thus he began to stand out from the crowd.
0: Yeah, and um, the painting that we're talking about in particular is the crucifixion of St. Peter. And as Charles said, whereas Michelangelo would have had a highly populated, crowded scene where the main subject of the crucifixion would be one element among many, Caravaggio zeroes in on the moment of Peter's death, and there's only four figures in the scene. And um, Peter is about to be crucified upside down, so the the cross is actually in the process of being inverted by three unidentified men. And (laughs) they are faceless, nameless, they're brute muscle, cogs in the machine, trying to destroy the faith. Hmm. Whereas Peter, though he's humiliated, he's almost undressed, no dignity in this situation. He's bathed in light. The other figures look sort of kind of foolish and brute. Like you can almost hear them grunting and Mm -hmm. like just another day's work, crucifying a Christian. And Peter, his expression, he's looking over at his left hand which has been pierced with a nail. He's grasping onto that nail, and he's looking at it. Hmm. Like, hyper-focused, I'm gonna continue to do this, I have to stay here. And we know that that's his glory,
2: but. He needs the hyper-focus, or he stresses the hyper-focus, both by looking at his hand and the nail in it. like, I am doing this. And then the second thing is, due to the placement of the painting, He's also looking toward the altar. Once the painting's installed, oh, he's right. looking toward the altar. And he's like, that is why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to lose his commitment in any way. He's not hysterical. He's calmly going to accept this fate, which in in seconds he'll be upended. And in probably less than a couple of hours, he'll be dead. Right.
0: Also, for our viewers who might look at this painting on their own, there's a rock in the bottom section, <laughs> symbolizing Peter as the rock. Uh-huh. And so visitors to this church would see that Peter died not for the teachings of Luther, but for Christ's church, and he is the rock of the church. So mm-hmm. that was very deliberate on Caravaggio's part. And I would imagine that Pope Clement VIII, you know, said, do not hold back from making sure people know what who peter is and what we mean when we say he is the rock of our church
2: Mm -hmm. Now, part of the simplification and part of this highlighting and minimalizing of background distractions is a step that's really aimed at the unknowing so you don't have to be in on what's going on because he's going to simplify this so that the average person can look up and go oh i get this Mm -hmm. a rock oh there's peter (sighs) oh there's three unidentified guys so there should be no doubt now and the theory was that if you put all the other confusing and and distracting things in then only the people really in the know would get what we're talking about here you shouldn't be able to miss what's going on here Uh Mm uh-huh
0: The next very similar painting, um, also commissioned (laughs) by Pope Clement VIII, is the conversion of St. Paul on the way to Damascus, painted around 1601, as was the crucifixion of St. Peter. Uh, Similar composition, we only have three figures, whereas Michelangelo's version had dozens of figures. mm -hmm. And we have a very muscular horse, dominating two thirds of the canvas, Hmm. and Saul is on the ground, flat on his back, arms raised up to an unidentified source of light. There's a horse handler emerging from behind the horse, and really the only color is uh, Saul's red cloak that is sort of pooling around him. The horse and the handler seem to not really notice the light or notice what's going on. And so we might infer. And on the other hand, Saul's face is having a very private intimate moment. He knows what's going on and he's surrendering to it, but he's also very strongly reaching up to to the light and what's happening. Um, he looks really strong, but also he's been humiliated he's mm-hmm. been knocked off his horse and just as in the painting of Saint. Peter, Peter and Saul are both at the very bottom of the painting humiliated mm. they're not they're only glorified by this very bright, unidentified source of light
2: well and the fact that as as you look into his face, He's been blinded by the light. His his eyes are closed, but his eyes are now, in another sense, opened, and hmm. it very dramatically makes that point. And I think that the poor horse handler is is looking on, as you say, not sure what's happened to this <laughs> fellow. But well,
0: it's almost like he's. I'm he's, not seeing that light. Right. It's almost like they, he's completely ignorant of what's going on in the painting of Saint Peter and in Saul. Both Peter and Saul are having intimate, private moments with the divine. The executioners aren't having that moment. The horse and the horse handler, oh, he just fell off his horse. They're not having that mystical union moment Mm -hmm. that Peter and Saul are having. And so Um, it's a really intimate view of what's happened to both of these now saints um, one thing I wanted to note was that I think that Caravaggio, by pooling that red cloak around Saul, you know, we could see that as the fire of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. or even the blood of his future death, mm-hmm. and how he would die, pooling around him,
1: yeah,
2: now, the pooling of blood, actually, as we've mentioned once before, Kyle, is not unusual in the real life of Caravaggio. Caravaggio. Uh, his family died in the plague when he was six previously he had a a solid sort of middle-class upbringing now he's escaped the plague but he's on the streets he becomes rough and tough he has a terrible temper uh he's actually personally a pretty despicable human being but (laughs) uh and and spilled much blood in sword fights and arguments and you know, quick to stab people and quick to get stabbed. Uh, so,
0: and he was known to the use, violence
2: of all this had meaning.
0: And he was known to use chara- oh, terrible language, terrible language, and um, not so great characters as his models. Okay. So, you know, he's he's finding anyone he can off the street to, uh, to be his models. Um, huh. So, you know, in depicting these great saints of our church, the people who posed for them were not to be conflated with the saintly people that are depicted but in that sense i i think that it it makes caravaggio a very sort of relatable figure you know we have a tendency to put these artists on pedestals as saints themselves mm. and we we forget that they weren't always so
2: yeah oh he was on the run more than he was in rome and and he was frequently his tactic while he was on the run, he, he wanted a pardon, you know, from the Pope. Uh-huh. And so he would go to uh, important people within the church and make paintings for them for free. Uh-huh. In, in return, he would hope you'd put in a good word for the Pope and uh-huh. he could come back to Rome. <laughs> uh, and he eventually got that, except he died mysteriously on his way back to Rome. Huh. He, his body was never found, but he just
1: disappeared while on the ship heading back to Rome. He also must have bought black paint by the barrel
2: <laughs> yes exactly I, all,
1: all of the paintings that i've seen yeah. have that very dark very deep dark
0: yeah yeah and for our listeners there is a term that is associated with his work it's called chiaroscuro and it's the sharp contrast of light and dark yeah. that he had perfected i mean they're really there's there aren't many artists in history that have done it with such commitment or you know it's almost jarring yeah. when you compare his work to some of the other painters that were well let's make this nice and lots of light and flowing and, Oh, beautiful
2: blue skies yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's this is this is bad
0: well in some sense you know that and this is good I think that that is. A reflection of his own light, his own life. Mm-hmm. You know, fighting darkness, trying to live in the light. He's, he's very close to many um, high prelates in the church, and yet he himself, we know, struggled with so many sins openly. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's almost like a in a theater mm-hmm. with a black curtain behind, with just yeah. a spotlight on mm-hmm. the on the scene, so everything else falls yep. off in the oh, darkness yeah. behind. Oh yeah, it the and, drama is very yeah. high. Yep. And these were both in the same church, yep. right, on the opposite sides mm-hmm. of the altar then. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they're kind of mm-hmm. almost, not symmetry, but right. it kind of has a, a nice balance. Sure, Yeah. yep. All right. Well, people have to check it out. I'll have links to the okay. images and stuff in the show notes. Good. And what else is going on at the museum? Well, this week,
2: the stress has been to get three absolutely overwhelming shows of glass sculpture up. Uh-huh. Overwhelming in the sense that each of the artists has done great work but also overwhelming in the sense that there's, you almost might say there's too much work in the show <laughs> and and yet, yesterday, making final decisions, I just couldn't pull anything out. I thought, oh, let's just have it overcrowded. Uh-huh. You know, but it's, but it's been really, uh, you know, overwhelming in a practical sense because, the, you know, the, the rig that goes in, the lift for lighting almost can't drive through uh-huh. the field of sculptures and, and then in an a visual and emotional sense it's like whoa it's breathtaking the moment you walk in the door so yeah. it's, that's a big deal for us
1: alright well people can check it out stop by the museum of Fort Wayne and check out the website fwmoa.org mm-hmm. and fwmoa on social media that's right alright thank you so much thank you thank you